Hello and welcome everyone to a new episode of the podcast Self-Evolution Regardless. And today we're going to be talking about virtue signaling. It's such a long... It's been such a long time since I kept talking about me recording an episode about virtue signaling. Well, it's time and here we go with this fine fine topic so um have you ever heard of those people like have you ever come across someone who just kept talking and talking on and on about those good things they did in their lives like how many times they helped people or they gave advice or they pet a pet or they uh did their religious rituals so religiously and in such an organized way um, how that they have such an important message to deliver to the world and that the world should listen to them because they're really interesting and the message they deliver is going to be something that nobody's going to want to miss out on. Um, how many times they went to prayer, they did all their prayers throughout the day, they went to church every single Sunday, you know, they do all those stuff, and it's repetitive, and it's a pattern, and they get to do that, and they have fun doing that, especially in gatherings and social events, where the probability that they will be famous instantly increases by 150%. I mean, it's not even... 150 it's actually even more than that and they will go on and on and brag about what they do and brag about their habits and brag about who they met and what they did together and all the good stuff they kept doing and all the charity they helped and all the kids they the the, the orphans that they donated to and all the money they donated and all the good stuff they always did and all how the glory the world how how the glory of the world must praise them and how glorious these people are and etc etc and you're standing there and staring and like when will this end <laughs> i mean you get to the point where it's just so overwhelming the amount of grandiosity these people have and it boosts it boosts their grandiosity it it stimulates that grandiose sense of self and the way that they always have to make sure that they're visible and everyone sees them and everyone knows their achievements and everyone is there to clap their hands on their achievements and so the the pattern is always consistent and they're always exciting and you know a lot of these people are I hate to say it, I hate to say it, (laughs) you'll find that a lot of these people are motivational coaches, Um, famous names like, what is is his name, Um, no, not Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss doesn't look that grandiose, Uh, Tom, I think he was, the one who talked about unleashing the monster with the new and uh Dan Locke is a huge name who can by the way be a little bit narcissistic um 
Who else? Uh, so the name, the famous name that I was talking about is Tony Robbins and his wife or ex-wife. I mean, it's not that he's so narcissistic, but you can tell uh, by the way that um, some are reasonable. And I'm not going to lie. I find him quite reasonable. Uh, I'll only have a keen judgmental eye over whether or not he's, you know, professional and neutral and uh, objective enough in his theories. It you know, as soon as I read his books, but so far, I mean, judging from the way that I saw a few of his conferences and summits, summit events, um, he looked like the kind of coach who wouldn't stop talking about never give up and always do this and always do that and, and, and build rapport with people, and you have to be nice to people, and people will appreciate you, and the first impression, and all that, um, and it's exciting, it's, it gives you good vibes to watch these people, um, from a distance, though, but if you come into contact with these people, if you're having a personal relationship or interaction with these people, um, remember that you have to maintain your distance, not just social distance by what the COVID-19 people say, but, or the media always, uh, talks about, but, um, like, you have to just observe the phenomenon going on in front of you, and notice the body language, because there's a lot of, uh, manipulation going on there. Um, I don't know if you came across this book, but I really, really hope I can read it one day. It's, by I forgot the author but it's uh the, the author wrote uh these two titled these books two books entitled one is entitled uh the 40 laws of power 48 laws of power and uh the base or so I forgot the first word but then it says the human relationships shit <laughs> I'm having a tough time with my memory right now but um, it, those books and the reason why I mentioned those books precisely is because they talk a lot about the foundation of uh, having a relationship with people that comprises uh, body language how you can interact with people in your body language but also the way you say things and what you say and how you say those things um, and to basically, if you want to, you know, negotiate over something or build a report or, um, it, there's a lot of manipulative tactics that go on into this process of, uh, building a relationship with someone. Uh, it, it can, it can be even professional or for the sake of partnership in a business or something. It doesn't have to be necessarily only about romantic relationships, but any kind of relationship is based on those and he the author wrote them so amazingly I just wish I can have this book that I can read it one day and maybe you can also have the chance to read it and also share your ideas and thoughts about it um 
very interesting. So, so the main topic of this episode is virtual signaling. And a lot of that encompasses the manipulative language of the body and what is being said and how it's being said, okay? But most importantly is that virtual signaling has so much to do with the grandiose trait of a narcissistic personality disordered person. And it's at the same time, demanding for constant attention, constant approval, uh, validation, and praise, and that they have this preoccupied belief that they're extremely generous and powerful and heroic and saint-like um, to the world, and that is empowering the image that they always want to they always want the world to know about that they are good amazing generous giving you know inspiring people that the world should be inspired by but the the trick is that you'll know the difference between a genuine helper and a narcissist who looks for constant validation and approval is when if you ever disagree with them or tell them no and smile or just whatever challenge if you ever try to challenge them in any way possible like it doesn't even have to be extravagant even just the simplest ways that you can challenge this person and see how far they'll go. They won't go any fur any further with you. It gets them mad. It f it f it fuels them with fury and anger. And the way that you now are an enemy of theirs. How dare you challenge them in this way? How dare you disagree with them? How dare you uh, give more than they do? How dare you pray more than they pray, etc. And it's all this. This whole image that have that that has to be perfect for the narcissist. Nobody must ever at all beat them into it. They're always competitive. They always see competition. It's the same thing that repeats itself, except now, it's more like, please give me praise. I'm a good person. Please appreciate me. I'm a very smart, beautiful, intelligent, generous person. You know, it's always about seeking attention from people and supply, which which, which automatically is going to give them narcissistic supply, and they're demanding it constantly. Uh, you will never hear this person giving you back even. They'll never appreciate you or your efforts, for example, if you were their assistant, or if you worked with them, or if you helped them create something or if you shared an idea with them uh, they will get all the credit they will get the whole entire amount of credit if it takes and leave you with nothing because the world has to only revolve around the narcissist and how they portray themselves to the world and how the world talks about them okay so i don't have any further ideas about this even though it's a very very interesting topic to talk about However, I decided to do some research and come up 
with an article that helps a lot to go deeper into this. Okay, I wrote it somewhere. I have prepared a lot of content lately. So, this one is from simplicable.com. <laughs> Don't even laugh, it's serious. Like, it's simplicable.com, okay? I mean, it's not even that funny anymore. Okay, so let's go. The article is entitled 12 Examples of Virtue Signaling, and we have 12, and hopefully we can go through them in less than 30 minutes so far because I don't want to waste any more time. I don't want to record too long episodes. I mean, I don't want to record episodes that are too long, okay? English, Maram, English. Okay, so number one, persuade, persuasion. Virtue signaling is often used as a form of persuasion. For example, a public speaker who happens to mention that they f just flew back from helping earthquake victims before giving a speech about design innovation. And the thing is, they will get, or they will mix and blend topics about them helping people and how amazing they are with the actual topic that they should be talking about that doesn't even have anything to do with that in the first place. So they will include it as though, uh, as like a, a hook to the audience that's gonna hook the audience into uh, getting their attention. And the, yeah, yeah, I, I, got the, I got the claps, I got the claps, like everyone clap for me, everyone clap for me because I helped these people survive the earthquake. And now let's talk about the main topic that I came here for. Wow. So although the virtuous act is completely unrelated to the topic, and it's not just this topic, any other topic like the solar system, the ecosystem, the technology, teaching, whatever, um, the audience may be far more sympathetic and engaged. And this is the trick, is that they will use it as a hook to get the audience's attention and that way, they're more engaged um, when they are sympathetic with the speaker. So, far more sympathetic and engaged due to the increased likability and respectability of the spokesperson or the speaker. And this is how they get it. They get the emotions, they get the pity, you know, get the pity, get the emotions, get the empathy out of the audience, get their attention by making them feel. And once they feel, you know, bad about me, the speaker, I'm going to get their attention easily. And I don't have to come up with something so extravagant uh, as a hook, you know, to hook them into the topic. Which, essentially, the hook in itself doesn't have to do anything with the topic, but they use that as a way to say, hey, everyone clap for me, yes, clap for me. Uh, and they persuade their audience successfully that way. So persuasion is a very cunning tactical tool that they use for virtue signaling. Number two is hypocrisy. A failure to act in a way that aligns with your stated virtuous beliefs. There's often a gap between our ideals and our actual lives and that shouldn't be quickly condemned as a hypocrisy where there's effort to move in the right direction. However, in some cases, people who signal virtue 
the strongest are the least in actually being virtuous. See, they'll he you'll hear these people talking a whole bunch about, you know, giving to, to, to the poor, uh, helping others, saving people, saving the planet, veganism. Oh my god, let me not mention veganism. Save the animals, protect the animals. And they will torture, they will torture dogs. They will literally torture animals and behead them and put their bodies like that with all the blood and all the muscles and all the freaking intestines all, all over the place so that people get the message that, hey, you should protect the animals and only eat plants and let's be all vegans and veganism and all that bullcrap. And they are extremely hypocrite when they do that. The message they're delivering is kill animals to shock people into believing in the concept of protecting animals when they are uh, hypocritically or deceptively sending the message that hey we need to protect animals eat only plants but that's not the message they're trying to deliver the hidden the hidden message is shock people and get their shock and fear and they will follow you. Number three is conspicuous conversation. The obvious kind of conversation is the purchase of products that signal a virtue, such as care for the environment out of a desire for social status. They will buy products that claim that they are environmentally uh, environment friendly and all that bullcrap and then it's all for social status and how many likes they get and how many shares they get and it's all for that you know they you find so many influencers i'm not against influencers in general but so many actually have this habit of and you 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 come across them you know just now then before whatever they, they they will post a selfie of their butt and they will write a whole entire paragraph about who they are that's just an example about how amazing the waterfall is and beautiful sun and the light well the whole picture revolves around the selfie of their butt a belfy for god's sake um another example they they will literally buy, for example, skincare creams or soap or whatever, and and they will advertise it. Okay, so let me just pause here a sec because there is a technicality going on. There's a difference between affiliate marketing and social status influencing people. Okay, affiliate marketing has to do with buying products from companies that will give you a commission every time someone buys that product from your link that is professional that is strictly professional and everybody does it everybody makes money of it and it's fine it's good you know but what's not good is if you or the influencer have never tried that product have never come across that product 
they will take a picture of that product and then talk about de dedicate a whole paragraph for nature and the environment which doesn't have anything to do with that product for example or themselves and they'll, they'll dedicate an entire paragraph talking about themselves and not the product that they're taking a photo of essentially i don't know there's a lot of conspicuous things going on here and that's the thing this is the the problem is so many influencers will do this not for generous uh not for sorry genuine intention of helping people uh to be more aware about how the environment is important and vital to our lives but to gain social status and be and get those numbers growing basically slacktivism number four speaking out about issues about social media or in social media without actually acting to support your causes the, there is some indication that an act as trivial as hitting a like button can cost can boost self-esteem this easy gratification may reduce overall motivation to actually change the world in a some positive way because you know uh getting uh hitting a like button does boost self-esteem somehow but it doesn't change the world but these people will insist that such a stupid ridiculous thing like this will somehow create a better more motivated world Ugh, i hate to think that i hate to think that i hate to think that number five self-righteousness oh here we go with the self-righteousness a feeling that one's beliefs actions or affiliations are morally superior to others and this is where arrogance comes to play arrogance plays a huge part in this where the feeling that one's beliefs actions or even affiliations are morally ethically superior more superior than others makes you feel better than others this is associated with a tendency to criticize others to signal that you are virtuous you get the boost the narcissistic supply from criticizing others and that criticism that you put on others that put down that you put on others is gonna you think it's gonna boost your self-esteem you think it's gonna make you feel good about yourself well the answer is yes specifically to narcissists they will do this because it makes them feel good about themselves the w the way that they're feeling that believing that their feelings actions thoughts quotes and even affiliations are superior than others more superior than others ethically more superior than ours it'll make them feel on top of the world and with criticism to other people's achievements beliefs quotes thoughts whatever it's gonna make them feel good about themselves because then as they criticize these people it'll make sure that the image that they're portraying to the world is that they are virtuous and triumphant people in some cases, an individual who suffers from self-righteousness 
has limited ability to see their own faults and is therefore unable to improve. They're blinded. They don't see their own faults. They don't ref- self-reflect and see maybe maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I harmed someone. Maybe I drove someone insane with the advice that I gave them or with how much criticism I gave them. No. They're therefore unable to improve. They only see themselves perfect the way they are and it doesn't matter what other people say to them and they won't improve. They don't want they don't mind um seeing themselves as faulty and they don't mind staying the way they are because they don't see themselves as faulty for any reason and they don't like to improve. They're unable to improve therefore. This may lead to a vicious cycle whereby the person becomes increasingly dependent on criticism of others to support their own self-esteem. This is another case. Actually, it's not it's not specifically a result, but this is another case where if if someone is increasingly dependent on criticism Uh, they will use that, they will leverage that to support their self-esteem. That is someone who's codependent. That is someone who... I don't know if that even makes sense. Maybe some people are addicted to hearing criticism and use that as a way to support their self-esteem. I mean, I to me it doesn't make sense at all. You know, um... Criticism only puts people down and only discourages them. And maybe, maybe though, the way that they might be criticized, if it's constructive criticism, then yes, it could be a factor in boosting self-esteem. But if it's destructive and uh, demoralizing, then it, it won't it won't do as much when it comes to self-esteem increasing. Uh, so moving on, sign or example number six, radical chic. Radical chic is the expression of support for radical political ideas and causes because they are fashionable at a point in time. The term implies that ideology is viewed as a fashion accessory with no underlying commitment to the cause. Like... Remember how in at the very end of 2019, beginning 2020, with the issue of transgenders, the, the pronouns, the personal pronouns they should use, um, they should eliminate he and she, and they should put the instead. <laughs> um, the transphobia, the... Uh, I don't know, the, 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 the chicness of these political ideas because they're fashionable um, and trendy. And so they will only use that as an accessory, which only adds more to their narcissistic supply and won't do as much to trying to make the world a better place. See, it's only for their personal benefit. And it's only for the picture that they're trying to portray to the world, which should always illustrate how 
amazing they are and how virtuous they are. Number seven, greenwashing. A business, rather, I added this myself, business owner or CEOs, business owners or CEOs, efforts to appear to be environmentally or socially responsible that are more about brand image than making positive changes. Yeah, so essentially, um, you will see these brands going over the environment and the greenness of everything, but really it's all about brand and it's not about positive changes to the world. Like it's not about decreasing the amount of pollution going on or the hole in the ozone layer, none of that. It's common for firms to rank among the world's worst polluters like Zara and Mango and Adidas and etc etc of all those brands to offer communications and visual branding designs to support to suggest that they are environmentally friendly when they are actually the worst polluters known to the world. Number seven, eight, share washing. Share washing is when a company or a personal brand of someone with a standard business model pretends to be a part of the sharing community, quote unquote, as a means of virtue signaling, as either a means of virtue signaling or to avoid regulations. So it's definitely for brand and for personal gain on top of the message and the quote-unquote virtue they're trying to share to the world. Number nine, political correctness. Oh, let me... Oh my god, political correctness, holy shit. Political correctness has several different levels. It can be used in order to be polite and avoid unintended negative connotations, yes, which is appropriate, which is totally acceptable, Alternatively, a political correctness can be used as a form of virtue signaling whereby a group expound the virtues of a new vocabulary and characterize old ways of saying things as morally corrupt. The new correct words symbolize membership in a political ideology while the incorrect words are associated with the political opposition, like the right wing, the left wing, the liberalism, uh, socialism, societal narcissism. And the political correctness of, for example, Whether or not, for example, if you say that you are a right-winged, you're going to be hate by the left-wingers and vice versa. And then um, if you say, look at the trash can and say that it's a rubbish bin, you're going to be hated because politically it's incorrect. I mean... (laughs) Stupid stuff like that. Number 10, groupthink. Groupthink is the practice of adhering to the accepted opinions and practices of a group without challenge or open communication. This is done to create a sense of harmony and belonging. Groupthink is often groupthink is often a type of virtue signaling as a group typically views itself as virtuous while outsiders may be villainized.
everyone in the group carefully adheres to its orthodoxy. Self-appointed members of the group seeks out and label any sign of dissent, and dissent results in expulsion from the group as opposed to debate. And groupthink is literally the definition or another word of saying cult, because cults do this. Remember the Jehovah Witness? I don't know if you have ever come across their videos or the people talking about Jehovah Witnesses or any type of cult, really. They do this exact same thing. They will idealize themselves. They will make sure that their group is virtuous, is triumphant, is the chosen one. And then the whole entire world or whoever goes against this is villainized and must be. And whoever is against the cult as a member of the cult must be ostracized and must be excluded. 11. Social disability bias. Oh, and just by the way, the groups of these cults are usually narcissists themselves. So, yeah. Societal desirability, desirability bias. Answering questions in a way that will be viewed favored by others as opposed to saying what you actually think. Yeah, saying things that will be favored by others. Saying the words that people like to listen to instead of what you genuinely think of. For example, pretending to align to a political ideology in order to avoid social or economic repercussions. And people do this a lot, and they're hypocrites. And they do this out of, hey, like me, please. I'm this person, I like this ideology, please like me, please admire me, and, th and they're not even being honest with themselves or the people that they're trying to uh, send this message to. And finally, tribalism. Tribalism is the formation of group loyalties based on some common trait, past or experience, or way of thinking. This is often essentially another definition of a cult. This is often associated with virtue signaling as group m membership may be viewed as a virtue. And you see this, you see a lot of this in, for example, soccer teams playing against each other or basketball teams or whatever. Any kind of uh, team or a band, you'll see these people that they will be assigned a variety of negative traits by the group. Say, for example, uh, the people who love FC Barcelona will be against uh, the infamous um, Real Madrid in soccer teams. And I'm not saying that I'm, I hate Real Madrid, but the, both teams are very strong in soccer playing, but the people who love FC Barcelona will say that their enemies, the biggest enemy, is Real Madrid, for example. Just an example. And this is a tribe. And whoever belongs to the fans and lovers of FC Barcelona will hate Real Madrid for whatever reason, for the stupidest reason, etc, etc. So, this is virtue signaling. <laughs> this is it for this episode. And, uh... I don't know. I mean, these are everywhere. These, you'll see these people in media and pol politics and social events and uh, environmental matters and organizations everywhere. 
you know, you just have to be yourself and just have to be authentic and honest with what you like and who you encourage. And if you want to talk about something or speak about something, please be honest. And not just for the sake of being liked, but to be true and honest, not only with yourself, but with the people who will genuinely appreciate you. Okay, so this is it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned something as much as I enjoyed recording it, editing it, and publishing it. And, of course, if you like to see this podcast successful and thriving, please don't hesitate to support it. The smallest amount will be very much appreciated. You'll be given a special shout-out. And uh, don't forget to check out the links in the show notes uh and uh, please take a look at the merch and everything and etc and everything in between so i'll see you in the next episode